1: This
2: is the Court Today replay on C103. And I want to mention a call that came into us yesterday that we just needed to check out some stuff on, and we did. And I just want to mention it for fear that this affects other people as well. Trish had contacted us on behalf of her elderly aunt who lives in McCroom. Now, her elderly aunt had an appointment this week in the city. So, her aunt jumped on the bus and showed her free travel pass to the bus driver, waved on and on uh, she went uh, up to the city and went about her business and then got on the bus to get the, the to make the journey home back to McCroom. And a different driver, obviously, was on the bus. So... The aunt handed out the, her travel pass and the driver made what Trish says, according to her elderly aunt, a bit of a scene, telling her aunt that travel pass is out, out of date and there was a big hoo-ha going on. Now, while her poor old... And the the travel pass, by the way, is out of date. So she was trying to root around in her bag to try to get the money to pay for the trip. And while she was doing that, a lady just jumped up with her leap card and paid for her. So that was a very kind thing, whoever that mystery lady was, to do that. But the aunt was in a bit of a kerfuffle and didn't even realise that her travel pass was out of date. So Trish got on to us to say, well, what do you do about an out of date travel pass? Because if you check in with the travel pass is on the public services card and if you check in with the public services card uh, you you will know that public service card's appointment have all been suspended during level 5 uh, restrictions they, now they are giving appointments just for very urgent cases but for a renewal of a card they're obviously not re- renewing cards so what they have done is existing public services cards which are out of date like the elderly aunt of of Trisha's they remain valid for the purpose of collecting your weekly social welfare payment and also where applicable for your free travel, the public services card, even though it's out of date, it will continue to be honoured by the National Transport Authority. Now, obviously, somebody has not told the bus driver, who was bringing auntie from the city back to McCroom. So, Trish, what I suggest that you do is that you get on to bus Erin, and, and you make them aware of what happened with your aunt and you make sure that they make all of their bus drivers aware that the out-of-date travel passes. It's through no fault of your aunt or anybody else's. They can't renew them at the moment. And and I, I mention it to make it applicable for anybody else who has a public services card that's out of date at the moment. It's still OK. You can still pick up your social welfare payment, which obviously people have been doing, because if anyone had gone into a post office and were not getting their pensions or picking up whatever it is they were picking up their public services card, we would have heard about it. And I and, and Trish, I have to say, we haven't heard of anybody else being turned away on their free travel uh, before so I'm hoping that it just is a completely isolated case and for whatever reason one bus driver is not aware of the rules and regulations that are there at the moment. But just by the way on the public services card the fact that you know many of them have gone out of date. I just when we were checking up online I've just spotted that a new online renewal service for public services cards will be launched. It says in the spring of 2021, I know we're in the spring of 2021 now, they're not giving an exact uh, date, but they do emphasise that all current cards remain valid for collecting social welfare uh, payments. So we'll keep an eye on that. And as soon as that service goes live, we'll let people know. Now, the fact that it's going to be an online renewal, that will cause problems for some people who don't operate online, but we'll, we'll work on that when that happens. But for now, an out-of-date public services card remains valid and that's just the important point that we want to get across to uh, people uh, today. And we will be talking about the reopening of nursing homes to, to visitors. We'll be talking about that in a couple of minutes with uh, Tige Daily. Uh, what was announced yesterday was that nursing home residents can have two visits a week on compassionate grounds. So we just need to tease out and find out a little bit more about it. But already I've had a text in from a listener saying on the reopening of nursing homes for visitors what is going to happen with the travel restrictions in place. The example being used by this listener is I live in Donneray and my aunt who I would like to go to see in the nursing home is in Cork. That's obviously outside of the 5k. My gut instinct will tell me that if you were stopped by the Gardaí and you were on a visit on compassionate grounds to see your aunt I think you'll be okay but I'll get that checked with Ty Daly to see has that been mentioned. It kind of to me sounds a little bit like you know if you want to go visit a loved one's grave and you're allowed to travel outside of your 5k if you've a loved one buried and they live the 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 cemetery is outside the 5K. You've always been allowed to do that under level five. So I imagine visitors going to a nursing home will be under the same, will be, will be allowed to do the same. And I'm assuming you'll be able to prove that you're going to visit your aunt or your mum or your dad, whoever it is you're going to visit. Because I, I take it, it won't just be a free-for-all. There'll have to be some kind of a booking system done with the nursing home. Maybe you'll have a text message to show that you are booked in to go for a visit. So if you stop by the Guardi, you will be able to uh, prove it. And people were last night promised a good summer, but we've been warned that we have to pull back from the brink and we all need to stick with the covid-19 restrictions for at least the next 2 to 3 months cases of the virus have risen again in recent days and this now is sparking a little bit of alarm amongst the public health officials professor philip nolan t- said uh, was speaking at last night's covid-19 briefing i don't know if you saw it or not but he said that the increase They're fearful that it could be the beginning of something. it's, It's a very small increase, but obviously they are monitoring this minutely and any little upward movement on figures obviously causes alarm. And he says... We're sailing very close to the wind, a gust of wind in the wrong direction and we could all be in real trouble. And God knows we know we got a gust of wind in the wrong direction over Christmas and that certainly blew us very much into big, big uh, trouble. Ten more COVID-19 deaths were sadly reported yesterday, but it was the new cases, 592 new cases. It seems there's evidence that people are moving about more and that the numbers of people who've gone back to work, these are people who had been working at home but have decided to go back into the office or to the place of work, that's gone from 50% of people to 60% of people. Ronan Glynn, who is the Deputy Chief Medical Officer, he says vaccines needed to cover more at-risk groups. He said if people stick with it, over the next two to three months, he said there is the promise of a good summer. And there is the promise of brighter days ahead, he said, barring the unexpected. Now, he said the over 70s will not be fully vaccinated until mid-May. And the vaccine also has to be administered to around 150,000 people. And these are the people who've been identified with underlying conditions. These are the ones who are at really high risk from COVID-19. Now, the daily case numbers. Now, they are far lower than say they were back in January. I mean, remember back in January when we were every day tuning into the news and hearing figures in the thousands, five thousand, six thousand cases. I mean, it was just every day seemed to be getting worse than the previous day. So we're we're, we're you know at nearly six hundred yesterday. We're far below below that. Um, but they are, but they're still the numbers that we had this week. They're still two times higher than we were. When we came out of the lockdown in early December, and they're 50 times higher than what they were back last June. Now the first vaccine bonus that was announced last night by uh, Neffert was of course as, as I mentioned we're going to be discussing it today and that's the easing of the restrictions on the nursing homes and we'll look at that in more detail. There's also talks by the way with the easing of the nursing home restrictions that they'll be reviewed again next month and the aim then is to relax the, relax the restrictions even further. But when Professor Corina Butler who's Chair of the National Immunisation Advisory Committee when she was being asked about what kind of freedoms will vaccination bring uh, people. She says it was just getting the vaccine wasn't enough. We would also need to look at the fall in the level of viruses in the community. But, you know, while a lot of people are very excited about going to see a loved one in a nursing home, there are tens of thousands of grandparents dotted all over the country who live in their own homes who haven't got to see grandchildren or who haven't got to see sons and daughters and I'm very conscious of Mother's Day next Sunday and the amount of people that won't be able to go see a much loved mother and a much loved grandmother. So Professor Karina Butler was asked in the meeting yesterday about grandparents meeting their grandchildren and she said that once grandparents were protected with the two doses and cases of the virus were brought out she says that they could they will be able to get together. So there's a little bit of life there uh, on the horizon that there will be when we next get to hear easing of restrictions. It is quite possible for grandparents once they've had both of their shots and then I think you have to be a week after the second shot to be deemed fully vaccinated but once that gets the go ahead it may look like that granny and granddad may be able to welcome the grandchildren back into the house or may be able to go and visit uh, the grandparents. And then there's lots of talk in the papers as to where we're going next with the of restrictions. The return of non contact sports training for children, along with people being allowed to play tennis, people allowed to play golf, all under consideration with the government's plans to ease COVID restrictions next month. Non contact training for senior inter county GAA may also be permitted. Senior chief officials are considering a range of outdoor activities which may be allowed, but this will all be dependent on the transmission of virus figures falling significantly before April the 5th. We need to get the numbers down. That's why when I mentioned, you know, we need to stick with the restrictions. And if we do and the numbers fall, then it d- does look like there will be some movement around April 5th. Equestrian sports have also been mentioned. They may be uh, permitted. Outdoor non-contact training in pods for underage and I think a lot of parents and children will certainly be welcome that. It's been uh, considered as the plans to slowly reopen the country over the coming months. So the government's plan for managing the virus which is called the Path Ahead commits to cautiously beginning to ease restrictions next month. Ministers will consider easing some of these outdoor activities which will also include allowing more people to meet outside. Of course at the moment only people from two households can meet if you're meeting them to go for a walk or to do a little bit of exercise so there may be a little bit of easing of that but restrictions will only be eased it'll all be in line with Neffert's advice obviously the key indicators being considered by Neffert at the moment are the transmission of the virus they'll also obviously talk and look at the number of patients who are in intensive care they will also look at the impact of the national vaccination programme how far ahead are we with the vaccination programme and then the big one that we all I think worry about is the presence of new coronavirus variants. If we start seeing new variants and new variants start arriving on our shores that will certainly send alarm bells off. And the Cabinet Committee on COVID-19 not expected by the way to make a formal decision on restrictions until the week starting March the 29th. So we're not going to hear anything next week. It will be the week after that before we start to hear anything. Now the Thornister of Radker Radker was speaking yesterday. He said non-essential retailer and hairdressers. We spoke about hairdressers yesterday won't open. He says at least until the end of April or it could be into early May. So certainly not going to happen on the 5th of uh, April. And Leo Varadkar said yesterday that any restrictions that will be announced for April 5th will be very limited. He's still talking about the relaxing of the five kilometre limit. Now, what I would love to know, and no matter where I check, no matter what newspaper I read, no matter what online forum I go to to try to get information. I can't find out and certainly Leo Varadkar, Micheál Martin or any other the cabinet ministers or cabinet members who have been speaking. Nobody's mentioned what is a relaxing of the five kilometre limit. I mean, is it a free for all that we can go anywhere we like in the country? Does it mean limiting instead of five kilometres, it'll go to 10 kilometres, it'll go to 20 kilometres? Does it mean if they ease the five kilometre limit that we can all move around in our own county? Can't get anything on that and I think and I've said this before for us in Cork I think the easing of the 5k if we were even allowed to move anywhere around the, the county I think that would be welcomed by a lot of people but I have a gut feeling that the, five, the easing of the 5km might only be allowing us to go 10km and maybe 20km I could be wrong but I certainly can't find anything to indicate what they mean by the relaxing of the 5km uh, limit They're also talking about allowing small outdoor gatherings and, of course, the reopening of construction. They will all be the first in what everyone is saying is going to be a slow, slow reopening. So, therefore, the reopening of shops, the reopening of personal services, your beauticians, your hairdressers, your barbers, hospitality, none of that. Is going to happen according to Leo Varadkar on the fifth of April, and that's where he said realistically he said you're looking end of April, maybe the beginning of May. The Thonisters said shops and hairdressers will likely open before hospitality, and the recommencing of sports. That's that's under consideration for the end of this month, but it will be the shops and the hairdressers will open first, and then next after that, uh, if that's if all of the figures go according to plan it will be hospitality so it's a long way off I think for the restaurants the hotels and the bars Jim is very annoyed uh, to hear about Trisha's poor auntie who was pulled up by the bus driver because her public services card her free travel pass was out of date through no fault of, of the aunts uh, Jim is raging about it and he feels there are always people who like to show their, their authority she hopes that Trish's or Trish's aunt gives that bus driver a piece of her mind and that he comes back she should demand an apology says uh, Jim and actually somebody from who works in one of the social welfare offices was on to us uh, about your public services card and if you make a phone call if you ring your local social welfare office the staff can extend the card according to one of the workers by three years but you just need to ring them in advance and let them know and they will issue with the new one and I didn't realise they were doing that and that's they, they're doing that locally because somebody else was on to say uh, what is the position with a person who's now 66 and can't get a free travel card etc well what I would suggest you do is is exactly what was advised there get on to your local social welfare office because I know if you go on mywelfare.ie and obviously they give all the information about the public services card and they were the ones who were saying that they they had suspended issuing the new cards under the level 5 restrictions but they do say on mywelfare.ie appointments are available for urgent cases and circumstances where the customer has no alternative means of accessing public services other than by acquiring a public services card. And obviously this lady who's entitled to her free travel can't get her free travel unless she has a public services card. So I would suggest contacting your local social welfare office and they should be able to sort you out with your public services uh, card, even though you'll have your free travel. And I've heard from somebody else saying with the 5K limit, you can't go very far, but you might have an appointment that you need to attend, like Trisha's aunt had to. That's why she was on the bus. She wasn't making a non-essential journey. It was an essential journey. And when I was talking about grandparents, And the notion that once grandparents are vaccinated, it is possible in the weeks ahead that grandchildren will be able to go back and visit their grandparents. Somebody says, hi Trish. What about us, the younger grandparents? I suppose we'll have to wait a long time to see our grandchildren. I'm only in my 50s, so a long wait ahead. Oh bless. Well, the only thing is, it is looking like 80% of the population should be vaccinated by June. So hopefully it will be sooner rather than later. And then Anne in Cork on visits saying, I'm going to see my mum in a nursing home haven't seen her for nearly a year she has dementia so I'll have to explain again to her who I am and all we've been allowed time wise is 15 minutes so by the time she can get to understand who I might be it'll be time for me to leave why can't it be a half an hour like before thanking you and that's Sally Ann in Cork I'll get that checked because I'm sure one of the things that was mentioned yesterday was that there was an hour there wasn't to be a time limit or was it an hour a limit so let me check it could just be your individual nursing home. But I'll put that question to Tag Daly of Nursing Homes Ireland, who joins me after this.
0: Court today on C 103.
1: With Sean Cusack. Insurance's can Now part of McCarthy Insurance Group. Want great advice? You know who to talk to. See mig.ie.
2: Now the National Public Health Emergency Team NEFET, met yesterday to consider changes to visiting in nursing homes as it weighed up a possible vaccine bonus for care. For Facilities. Tyg Daly, CEO of Nursing Homes Ireland, uh, joins me. Good morning to you, Tyke.
3: Good morning, Patricia.
2: Uh, and you're, you're very uh, welcome. This is a real Thank good you. news story, isn't it, both for yeah. residents, staff and for the people who are desperate to get in and visit their loved ones.
3: Yeah, absolutely. Look, it's, uh, you and I have spoken many occasions over the last 12 months. And, it's, you know, it was 6th of March last year when visitor restrictions were introduced first. Obviously, there was a, an easing of those through the summer in the context of community transmission. But yesterday's news is hugely, hugely positive. And as you said there, it is directly linked to the vaccination program. I mean, the vaccination program has been hugely successful. Uh, And to say that there's been a significant drop is is an understatement. I mean, the, the lab detected cases have literally fallen. Uh, dramatically as a result of vaccination but i suppose that said we still need to be vigilant uh, and the infection control measures will still be required so look absolutely very very positive news and as you say we will be welcomed by uh, by any and all
2: okay so march 22nd is the date and it isn't yeah. the nursing homes throwing open the front doors just explain oh, no, what's I, going to happen
3: yeah look I, I think it's important that this is going to be a i suppose an incremental approach you know, your listeners will be well aware of, of the tragedy of COVID in the community at large, but particularly in homes. So we need to move very, very uh, carefully and 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 with, with with extreme caution and vigilance. So from Monday week, the twenty second, uh, effectively, each resident will be facilitated to have two visits a week uh, under the uh, under level five. Uh, now those visits will have to be booked. You know, the idea, as you say, I would just. Um, uh, calling unannounced where it's not going to happen. And again, the usual rules will apply in terms of public health measures. You know, if, per, if a person has a cough or a cold or a sniffle or a indeed has COVID, obviously they they shouldn't be coming anywhere near a nursing home. And and and, and, and the nursing home itself, people will still require, you know, hand washing, coughing etiquette. And in fact, the, the guidance has gone a little bit further in terms of it's, it's saying that all visitors will be required to wear a surgical mask. Uh, not not a, not just a face covering. So, look, hugely positive news, uh, and what we'll require now, I suppose, is collaboration from everybody. You know, an understanding from the visitors' point of view as well that this is going to be challenging, particularly in the first week, ten days, for for all of us uh, and staff in particular who have done a heroic job. So, working collaboratively, I'd be I'd be confident that as the weeks go on, we'll get into a much better position in in, in terms of the regularity of visits.
2: Okay, and is this. Is this advice for every single nursing home or will it vary from nursing home to nursing home? I'm conscious, for example, yes. of some nursing homes who still haven't got everybody vaccinated yet.
3: Yeah, that's an important point. I suppose there's two things. One is that what they're saying is that the one uh, that the two visits per week is for those that have had what they would term high vaccination coverage. So what they're saying is that if eight out of 10 residents and staff have vaccination That it should be uh, two visits uh, every week Uh, however if it's lower than that it's one visit every week so again that's the point i suppose in terms of being incremental um so we we we, the the vaccination as i say you know has has been hugely beneficial but i think it's also important to say though that you know despite the vaccination one can still contract the virus and one can still transmit the virus so uh, vaccination doesn't give anyone a free pass unfortunately it doesn't give full immunity. What it does do is it it it, it significantly reduces the risk of illness. Um, and, and that's obviously the, the priority.
2: Yeah, serious illness and hospitalisation and our, yeah. our death. deaths. Uh, and that's, exactly. that, that's what we want to protect people from. Now, one of our listeners, sally Ann in the city has been on to us uh, to say she's going to see her mother-in-law, her mother, sorry, in yeah. a nursing home with some dementia. She hasn't been in to see her mother for, for a year and she's been told that the visit will only be 15 minutes where previously it had been a half an hour. Why is there going to be a time limit on the visits?
3: Yeah, look, I mean, each... Uh, each individual is different. Each individual nursing home is different and each individual resident. Residents aren't, uh, you know, a homogeneous group where we can say that everybody should be getting an hour or two hours. You know, and that's the point I was making about working collaboratively. What we need to do now is ensure that residents ultimately are the centre of it, Uh, working with the families and the staff and that, you know, you look at the care plan for each individual resident uh, and set out, I suppose, a roadmap, if you like, of the frequency and the time. I mean, for some people... You know, you know, half an hour could be a long time for others. It might be too short entirely. So, you know, being too prescriptive, uh, given that you have, you know, a, a disparate, if you like, group of residents. As I say, all residents aren't the same. Is not the way to go. So, what I'd say to your to your your caller is that engage with the nursing home. You know, work with them. Uh, maybe initially it might be fifteen minutes. Initially, I don't know. And then over time we'd be hoping that that would obviously increase based on the agreement of, of, of all parties. But Because you know, when, it, when
2: it was announced yesterday, it was stated that there was no requirement to limit visits to less than one hour.
3: No, absolutely. No, I mean, there, there isn't a requirement to do that. But I suppose, again, we've got to be conscious here. If you have a, you know, a 50 or 60 bed nursing home, you know, uh, that could mean, you know, over 100 people coming over a period of days. So we need to, the, the nursing home, to be fair, uh, whether it's public private or voluntary needs to manage the the numbers at any given time I mean you know so the the usual rules apply around uh, around you know congregation and around as i say social distancing so uh, uh, you know as I say, and that's what we need to do now over the next week uh, that's why there was a lead in time given our Monday week to commence this is for everybody to the communication from the nursing home to the families and families vice versa, and then working out what's best what's best for everybody but Working collaboratively, as I say, hopefully we can iron out some of those, uh, some of those challenges.
2: Somebody else wonders if the visitor has been vaccinated. I.e., I'm a nurse, frontline worker. I'm fully vaccinated. Uh, should our visits be treated differently? So you've got two fully vaccinated people, both the visitor and the resident.
3: Yeah, I mean definitely uh, under the guidance, uh, you know, there is a, there is there's no requirement that the visitor be vaccinated. But what the guidance is saying that that obviously gives them an, an extra. Uh, layer of protection. So, and that was the point we made a number of months back, if you recall, when we, uh, as an organization, engaged with public health and minister around the vaccine buddy principle, uh, so that each resident or each resident yeah, would have a family member who would be vaccinated. So, you know, that again, and that's the point I'm making about each circumstance is different.
4: Yeah. In that, yeah. In
3: that case, you know, common sense and, and uh, as I say, working collaboratively would mean that there might be. Uh, you know, a a longer time or or less restrictions as a result of the fact that, as you say, both the resident and the visitor are vaccinated. So um, that's why we need to work, you know, closely, communicate uh, and, and make sure that we keep the I suppose keep the resident at the centre ultimately.
2: Okay, and a couple of people are asking the same question. What about the 5K restriction? My sister says one hmm. listener is in a nursing home, which is miles away from me, uh, and I'll want to visit. Uh, the 5K? Yeah, no,
3: the, yeah, the 5K doesn't apply. Okay. Uh, the 5K doesn't apply. Yeah, the government are very clear on that. Uh, you, know, that's, that's, uh, you know, I suppose if you're visiting even someone in their own home, for example, for, for care purposes, uh, you know that's obviously uh, 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 permitted as it were under the guidance so no that doesn't apply in this case which is positive
2: Mary yeah. say so could you please ask TIG? I appreciate he's a spokesperson for private nursing homes uh, but are private nursing homes and hsc run nursing homes uh, will the same rules apply to both
3: they will, absolutely, yeah. The I mean, the, the, the sector is regulated by HICWA, as you know, and, and the, the guidance is for all nursing homes, public, private and voluntary. Yeah, okay.
2: absolutely. Okay, and I was surprised not to hear antigen testing mentioned, yes. uh, Ty. Would you like to, f- do you think they could play a role?
3: Yeah, well, absolutely. And we were disappointed. And that's why I suppose I didn't want to pour cold water on yesterday's announcement by saying that we were disappointed. But uh, you, you're right. I mean, we have said from the outset that they they should play a role i mean what we've got to do here is use every uh, element uh, of the resources i suppose at our disposal to protect residents and we would have felt that you know there are limitations with antigen testing we accept that fully but from from everybody's point of view i think it would have been an additional layer of, of comfort if you like for everybody if antigen were introduced now we, we did see in a previous iteration of the advice that it was not recommended. I think what they're saying now is that it's not necessary. So some nursing homes may introduce antigen uh, as part of it. Uh, and we'll keep that very much under review. And we'll be, continue to engage with, with the government on, on the, the use of antigen as appropriate.
2: And the really good other good news story coming out from the nursing homes is the COVID positive cases are falling very quickly. Aren't they right across the nursing yeah. home sector?
3: Absolutely. I mean, you know, that's why we, we, we early January, we were very anxious. And to be fair to government and the HSE, the rolling out of the vaccination program was accelerated. We were concerned that, you know, could it have happened quicker? I um, mean, that's a question for another day. But to be fair, the vast majority have now been done. And uh, the the impact has been, uh, you know, phenomenal, really. It really has been uh, phenomenal in, in a good way. Um, but by the same token, I suppose we, we've got to maintain vigilance and not drop our guard either. Um mm-hmm. I mean, the other element may be that if there's high incidence in the community, that may impact on visits as well. You know, the point I was making earlier, if there was a high incidence in North Donegal or West Cavan then, you know, it may make sense to, you know, restrict some visits in those particular areas. So this is a a very fluid situation that we need to keep a very close eye on, given the the impact that we've all uh, witnessed at at close hand.
2: And when it was announced yesterday, it was also stated that there'll be a review next month. Uh, I I, I take it with the view that they may relax restrictions even further if everything goes according to plan.
3: Absolutely. That's the hope. And that's the, that's the point we, need in terms of incremental and we'd be, you know, saying to your listeners and to people who want to visit, you know, sooner rather than later, bear with everybody, work with the system, work with your providers. Uh, and, uh, you know, if, if we get the next phase right, as it were, all of us collectively, then as you said, we'd be in a better position again in, in maybe two to three weeks time. But we can even maybe go a little
2: bit further. OK. All right. Listen, it's a good news story and we'll take that on a, fri- on a Friday. Have a nice Every weekend, uh, Tighe. Thank and, and thanks for, for joining journey. us. Uh, bye okay. bye. That is uh, Tighe Daly, uh, the CEO of Nursing Homes uh, Ireland. And John Paul says, he said uh, a couple of calls in this morning from people mainly in the Clonakilty and some in the New Market area. So West and North Cork who went along to their GP yesterday to get their first vaccine shot. <laughs> they're so delighted and excited about it all. A number of them took time out to ring John Paul to so they just let people know they're feeling fine after their jab and uh, very pleased with themselves. Well done. 1850 333 103. Lines open.
0: Court today on C103.
1: With John Cusack Insurance's as Kinsale. Now part of McCarthy Insurance Group. They don't just talk the talk, they walk the walk. C-M-I-G dot
2: Last November, a helpline called Raising the Bar was set up to offer support to people in the pub industry who have been so badly affected by the COVID 19 crisis. To find out more, I'm joined by Michael Sully Sullivan of Clancy's Bar in Cork City. Good morning to you, Sully.
5: Hi
6: Patricia,
2: how are you? I'm very well and you're welcome to the programme. With the so-called yeah, wet good. pubs, and nearly a full year closed now and, and no real sign of when they're going to reopen. Financially, I take it, a lot of these businesses and business owners must be on their knees at this stage.
6: Yeah, I'm so sure you're kind of stating the obvious really, aren't you? Yeah. Um, and I suppose the nature of our industry, it's not that we want to be paying the poor amount, but the reality is what you said. You know, it's very difficult times now. And like like people are in business to do business, you know, and we just want to be operating and trading and to to make our way through the commercial landscape. So as long as we're closed, you can, you, you know, who, who pays the bills, you know, so you can only warehouse debt for so long or you can only have so much of a it, it fun put aside to get through what you need to get through for the various businesses, you know.
2: Like, yeah, and we, and you know, we've you
6: mentioned, mentioned you we, mentioned twelve months there, Patricia. You know, but yeah. like, and, and I'm one for looking for the positive in, in, in lots of ways. But like here in, in, in my business in Cancy's in, in Cork City, like we've actually at least we've been open. We yeah. specifically talked about the West pubs there. Christ, some of them haven't been open other than for maybe those 16, 20 days they got an opportunity. You know, that, that's, 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 that's awfully challenging. Like.
2: and the bills are still coming in.
6: Ah, <laughs> do they ever stop? So, yeah, sure, they are. They are. You just you just have to... You just... Yeah, sure. But, like, I don't know what to say. to them. Like, they are. They're coming. We've opened the polls. We have to look at them. We have to deal with it. Deal with the support we can and spread it, spread it as best as we can, you know?
2: So this helpline, does it offer financial support and information to people?
6: Um, well, they certainly offer support. Uh, like, in terms of the writing checks to publicans, like, in terms of you know, what people might think, no, they're not paying uh, specific bills, you know, let it be your electricity area. But there is certainly lots of support coming from the Raise the Bar initiative, let it be upskilling, retraining, you know, there, 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 there's, a, there's a range of different supports with it, which is, which is fantastic. I wouldn't like to be playing it down, or certainly not to seem to come across that way, you know. No, no. And it's but probably it's, important that but, but it's, our trade uses, you
2: know. But it's emotional support, as uh, Sully, that people in the industry really need, isn't it?
6: Yeah, 100%. Sure, come here, we've given it ourselves for long enough. All the emotional support and minding. Of minding people crying on our shoulders to being extremely ecstatic, whatever the occasion is, all the ups and downs. So that's that's what we do. You know, we're in hospitality; we're here to cater and serve and mind people. You know, and host and entertain. But actually, we need to be minded and hosted now, don't we?
2: More, more uh, than ever, more than ever. Yes, How do yes, people access done. the helpline?
6: Uh, through the might be azure data I, I hope I'm right on that now. Um, my Diazio,
2: uh
6: dot com or dot ie. Okay. Um, yeah, dot com right Dot com. Okay. Um, I'll, I'll get. I'll the get jumping. There's a twenty-four-seven helpline as well, Patricia. It would definitely be no harm to share it and share it often, because do you know what? Like our industry will require the people like you in positions who can get information out to people. Like it's so important that our industry isn't forgotten, because like our industry will have changed a lot when we go back and it's all about the social element and people getting out and being, having a place to go and being minded and you know what I'm saying? Like uh. reconnect with, with human beings and we actually, it's really important that we as publicans and operators, let it be the staff at the very front line at the bar counter or the managers or owners, self-operators, whatever level people are at. Like we need to be in a super good place for our customers who have to come back to our trade and, you know, represent our industry really well. Because, like, isn't the fantastic? The buzz around the whole coffee thing at the moment, and I say, isn't it fantastic? Because it is, you know? But, like, like, in so many parts of me is very envious that it's not, it's not the public people they're talking about. So, like, I know, I know. And, we have to put our best foot forward to, you know, to host people.
2: And whenever we're talking about helplines, I'm always at pains to point out to people that it isn't a sign of weakness when you reach out to somebody on a helpline to say, I need a bit of help at the moment. That isn't a sign of weakness.
6: No, and thankfully, I, I think there's a big shift away in, in society and certainly in you know, uh, certainly in the, in the modern, younger society, at least I put it that way, right? Maybe we we'll go back generations. That has been a weakness, hasn't it? Always having that strong, tough veneer out, but... Certainly at the moment, reaching out and asking for help, you know. It's, o- it's okay to be not okay, isn't that what they say? Yeah, saying? yeah, yeah, absolutely.
2: Ab- absolutely. for support. Sure, I
6: know it myself. Come here, I'd say my wife is sick of me. Sure, I'd be having a morning <laughs> gone on. Like, you know, you know, sure, we all need it and we all need to open up and talk. And do you know what? We're not all experts at it either. People might think we are, but, you know, just just open up lines of communication with people. My Diageo has obviously been a great success and is working. I'm not sure the statistics on calls now and stuff like that, right? And I'm sure they'd give you that if, they, if you went asking. But, you know, even within our industry and people in our trade, you know, and our friends and our peers, you know, it's important that we allow ourselves to have the day where we need to moan and vent and in other days we'll bounce. But, you know, we'll get through the process a lot easier and come back stronger.
2: Yeah, and it isn't just the, it isn't just the owners, it's the staff as well because have you managed to keep many of your staff on?
6: Well, so on uh, so yes is the answer uh, yes okay. is the answer um thankfully uh we're very fortunate we've an extremely um loyal and dedicated team right um, and but but when we come around again in whenever we get to open let it be early mid late may or into june right you know people will be challenged by this industry because of the uncertainty and third lockdown etc cetera, etc cetera and, you know, maybe a lot of the very skilled people, without sounding negative now for this piece, but a lot of the skilled people might have moved out of our industry, and that will be a huge challenge, but thankfully for us, personally, uh, we've done great, Uh, we've been very, as I said, loyal, we've managed to keep the management team, and a, a lot of the Key pillars across our trade and in the parking staff. So look,
2: well done. we've
6: done okay. We've done okay, but at the same time, we won't take it for granted that that will be the same. when We get to go again.
2: I know. I know. But,
6: you know. And, and any, you know, yeah. If I was to give you an example, like we we reached out to our own staff there last January. Um, it seems so long ago now. In some ways, but like we sent them all a small hamper to let them know what we were thinking of them. You know, now it was small, right? And I wouldn't like to oversell it, but. Was the thought and look out of our way to do it because it's really important that we stay connected and mind each other and look out for each other because third lockdown might suit some people and there's lots of advantages for me to be still at home and loads of time with my younger kids etc that I might have typically missed out on Um, and like I'm very pro my trade and love my industry but you know it has its negatives doesn't it but. Third lockdown. It's important that we stay connected as a as a trade and as a unit, and you know that we get we feel the full support of the customer and the public for what is a beautiful industry. You know, to
2: get yeah. that going. Yeah, and and uh, and reach out because there's no indications as to when you're going to be back up and running. Is there? No, no,
6: no. no to be fair, and like, sure. Where's your crystal ball? You know, like we, you know, like. Uh, well, I'll speak for me, right, and it's my opinion, but, you know, we're, we're in another process and I don't want to go through a fourth lockdown, right? Yeah. Um, so I just want us to get out. I think it's all vaccine-led. I think that's our timeline and people have their frustrations around that uh, and, and people think get very negative and maybe, maybe there's constructive negative in that, but I just want to do the right thing. Let us get back trading. Hopefully we're in a position where we have an extremely strong summer I we able to open and trade and there's none of this outside or inside or, you know, let's get the vaccine, let's hope April is as strong with the numbers they're talking about and let's be in a very good position for June right through the rest of the year, you know.
2: Well, it was the um, promise from Phil Philip, Professor Philip Nolan last night when he was saying, you know, there's a promise of a good summer if we all stick with the restrictions now. And I think a lot of people will agree with you, Sully. Let this be the last lockdown. Let us all do it right. We'll come out the other side. We'll have our good summer and this will all be behind us.
6: Yeah. Well, sure, look, there a bit of sense in all that. Yeah. No, so we could... We could start going, and what if, and this, and that, or whatever. Like there, there's, there's a bit of sense in that, you know. Funny, I meet people, and they ask me, "Are you all right? Are you doing okay?" And even I met people in general. "Are you all right?" I said, "Come here. There's no point me getting fatigued, yes, because I've, become, I've a I've long hard a couple of months ago, yes. So we'll be right. Our industry will be right out to the end of before things reopen, and look." we can go on and talk
2: about statistics, but that's not going to do this conversation nope. any good. Let nope. this be the and last one. And Let's we and we will, we will we will get there. Those, you know. uh, it's uh raising the bar. The free phone number is 1-800-303-589 1-800-303-589 Solly, it was a pleasure talking to you. Look after yeah, yourself you and we'll Thanks speak again. Thanks a million. Trade. Bye-bye. Keep that's it. trade. Okay, <laughs> bye-bye. <laughs> <laughs> bye-bye. That uh, is uh, Solly Sullivan of Clancy's Bar in Cork City, 1850 three three.
0: 3103
1: Cork Today on C103 with Sean Cusack Insurances Kinsale now part of McCarthy Insurance Group for motor, home, business, farm, life and health insurance cmig.ie You're listening to Cork Today on replay. Phone and text lines are currently closed.
2: Now, some of your texts in, Eileen has contacted us to say, Patricia, just wondering, are any of your listeners still waiting for COVID-19 payment arrears, says Eileen. I thought about a piece in the paper that all the arrears were paid out. thought I saw something on that uh, during the week, uh, but I could be completely wrong. It might have been something else I was, I was reading. Anyway, we'll call it out for you, Eileen anybody waiting on a COVID-19 payment, it's an arrears payment uh, because the one thing about the COVID-19 payments, they have been all very efficient considering what they had to do this time last year because of course it's a, today, it's a year today since Leo Varadkar announced the very first lockdown and we have a package piece that we're going to be playing out a little bit later on on the programme. Just to remember this day last year, remember when Leo Varadkar addressed the nation he was in Washington DC wasn't He, he was was there in advance of St. Patrick's Day and I, I need I need to talk to you do you remember that was one of the famous things and we all watched and then he announced the date that we were going into our first lockdown and it is so hard to believe that that is a year ago today in many ways you think how quickly that year has gone and in other ways you think whoa so much has happened in the last year and one of the things that they certainly got right was the payment of COVID-19 and how quickly and they made this they made the system as simple as possible people filled in the application online and and payments came out but obviously there are some people who fell between the stools and there's still arrears and I'm assuming Eileen is one of those who is waiting on COVID-19 payment arrears. If there's anybody else waiting on such an and Rears, can you let us know, uh, please, 1850-333-103. Uh, and then Claire was on to us to say, Patricia, my Electric Ireland electricity bill arrived today and for 65 days my usage totals €60. Euro and 88 cents. Very, very low usage. However, the standing charge and the PSO levy for January and February and then VAT totaled 61 euro and 26 cent. So, Claire is paying more out on a standing charge, the public service levy. And the VAT, then she's actually used in electricity. Isn't that just incredible? So her bill more than doubles what the actual usage is. Yeah, seems absolutely bizarre, Claire. And there's nothing you can do about the standing charges. Nothing you can do about the PSO levy. And then to add insult to injury, they put VAT on top of the whole whole thing. It is absolutely galling. And Claire also says by the way in her text she was listening to be talking about the easing of the level 5 restrictions and in particular what what I'm trying to find out is the 5 kilometres, the easing of the 5 kilometres what does that mean? What does that look like? Can you give us any indications as to what that might look like? Claire said she actually emailed the office of the Taoiseach. I don't know if it was on that particular point or not and she still hasn't even had an acknowledgement yet which is very very disappointing. Then we've had a couple of people contact us about banking apps two two different ones. Here's, Here's one that just came in this morning and then I have another by email. Hi Patricia. I called to a Bank of Ireland branch as I need a bank statement and they said it's all online banking now and they couldn't print off any paperwork for me. They just don't do it anymore and they said to me you must do your banking online and then you'll be able to print print off a bank statement. I don't use online banking as I find it difficult. I'm a young student where can I? What can I do? And where can I go? I need a bank statement. Thanking you for any of your uh, help. Ah, oh, uh, and as a young student, most you know. Usually when we get texts like that and it's usually an older person who says I'm not online, I don't know how to use online and we normally direct them and try to say get a family member who might be able to help you out even though asking family members to help out when it's something private like banking is can always be a, a tricky one for a number of people. So off the top of my head I don't have a solution for you because you, many banks, it's not just Bank of Ireland, don't issue bank statements, everything is done online, you're somehow going to have to... Go online or get somebody to help you go online and sign up to an app or sign up and then print off your bank statement. I can't think of unless somebody else can come up with a solution for somebody who needs a bank statement. The bank are saying they don't have the facility anymore to print it off inside in the bank branch. Is there any other way around somebody who hasn't signed up to online uh, banking. If anybody has words of advice or a suggestion for our young student listening to us, please let us know because Anne contacted us. Weirdly enough, it's about the same bank. It's about Bank of Ireland and it's to do with their app. And Anne contacted us by email to say, hi, uh, Patricia, um, I got sent the following text message and it's a, te- a text from Bank of Ireland. This arrived last week and it says, we have launched a new app for your tablet I, and Anne said an iPad in her case. Please delete your current tablet app and download the new Bank of Ireland app. Thank you, you signed Bank of Ireland. So, Anne said, what did I do? I proceeded as requested on the text message. I deleted my old app. Then, oops, my iPad message tells me my device hasn't the updated version of iOS 12 or whatever. And because of that, the new Bank of Ireland app can now not be installed. So I was left high and dry for banking. I did not... I do not do phone or internet banking on my laptop. It's all done on my iPad. My rant is as follows. If the text I originally had, the message said, ensure that your device has the up-to-date software software, and then only proceed then, I would have been OK. Anyway, a family member installed the new app on my phone and got my laptop sorted out. It was OK for me as I was lucky enough to have in-house help. But my second rant is I got another message from Bank of Ireland a few days later telling me the old app is being replaced shortly and to update my iPad. This really maddened me as they were able to note I hadn't updated it. Well, I rang them as feedback to have smarter, more precise messaging in future. For example, E.g. updated software to take new app or check etc. They are really going to Mars now. That's fine. But messages in and and Bank of Ireland should be clearer and at least have a direct telephone number for issues relating to the new app instead of going through the main 365 number and having to listen to numerous useless options message. Don't try updating after 5pm by the way because there's no help either on Saturday or Sunday uh, rant uh, over. So please be careful of that and make sure that the device which you're going to install the new app that all your up to date versions are there. And you know Anne is right and Anne was lucky that she's got somebody living with her who was able to sort it out and, and knew, knew enough to work her way around the technology. So she had the in-house help. But what if you're in a household so that you don't have somebody who can update, get the updated version for you or who has the the tech knowledge to do it. It's really, really frustrating indeed. And there's coming from Anne who does all of her online banking and knows how to do it. And it's the other side of the coin from our young student who doesn't like using online and finds it it very difficult and is caught between a rock and a hard place because needs to have a bank statement. And if you're going for, for loans, for example, or if you're going for a lot of things, people will require a copy of your bank statement. What if you actually physically can't get the bank statement? Uh, what are you to do. It is really, really frustrating and it's unfortunately the way we're going at the moment and the way the the, the future actually looks. And then another listener says, I don't think holiday homes should be promoted as we will have a repeat of last year and we'll never be able to control the virus. That's from Olive. And I don't know, Olive, if I agree with you because if you think of last year, when and, and I only mentioned the figures for June when I was talking about the figures the way they are now. Now, they're certainly down on the astronomically high COVID positive cases we had in January. But when we compare them to last June, they're 50 times higher now than they were back in last June. So if you look across all of the summer months, our figures for COVID positive cases were really low. And... Society reopened, not fully, but, you know, we were back going into restaurants for lunch. We got to stay in hotels. We got to go away on staycations. We got to book into holiday homes. We got to stay in holiday homes. And the numbers didn't spike throughout the summer. and Lots of people were on the move. We kept the numbers down. It was only when we went into winter... And certainly, when we went into Christmas that we got the massive surge in cases, so i don 't know if you 're right in saying we 'll have a repeat of last year if we keep if we continue to suppress the virus, we really need to push this one down, flatten the curve. But if we continue to keep the numbers low and then ease back into it slowly, which is what the government 's thinking seems to be at the moment, then we we could have a summer like we had last year without figures going. Astronomically high, and remember the big difference all of this year is vaccinations we 're still looking and hoping that eighty percent of the population will be vaccinated by june, and that 's going to be a big difference even with p- people moving around so n- no I, I, and for businesses in hospitality and people who own holiday homes and people who are involved in that kind of uh, industry. They didn't have the best of summers last year and they're really hoping that they'll get some kind of business this year. So, so no, I would be slow to say let's completely get rid of or don't have any holidays this year, because I think that's the one thing that people might have a glimmer of hope that and stick with the restrictions, the possibility that they might get a little bit of a break, even if it is a staycation this year. Thank you for your text, Olive. Hi, Patricia says a WhatsApp or Australia's constant oh, this is interesting. Australia says this listener, is constantly monitoring their wastewater treatment plants in order to identify fragments of coronavirus in the system. They are then able to narrow down the infections to specific suburbs, which then allows the authorities to get in and to get the residents tested. Should this be rolled out here in Ireland, would it not be another tool to help contain clusters absolutely absolutely I was unaware of that but testing the way because obviously if you have coronavirus and it's passing through your system it's coming out in whatever is coming out of your body so they have and they've got all the different suburbs obviously Australia and they'll take all of the different wastewater treatment and they'll do it maybe on a daily basis just to see if there's and if they're starting to see fragments of coronavirus in one particular suburb they can then move in that is fantastic I was unaware of that. while another listener says the health people, this is obviously Neffet I'm assuming, where are they getting their numbers from? Now they are blaming the wind. It's longer they will be keeping this going. It's unbelievable that the government all year wouldn't listen to Neffet or listen to the people of this country but now they're all ears and keeping people prisoners in our own homes. I'm not going to wait another three months for my freedom. They are leaving people visit the elderly in homes which is great but all other people also need to feel need to see family and friends in Germany. Here. Dresses and shops are open, and they've never had this five-kilometer limit in Germany. My son lives there, and he keeps me updated. It's a disgrace that people can't buy clothes. I'm wondering if Mihol Martin and the other government ministers have some have the same underpants on since Christmas. Oh wait, they can go online to buy them, not like other people who have no bank uh, cards, says a listener who's just a little bit annoyed about hearing what was being said yesterday and how we won't be coming out of it for at least till the end of May... Are the end of April into May, looking like before hairdressers a certain year are going to open. And someone else says that they should get a plumber into Dahl-Aaron to fix all of the leaks. <laughs> and Dan, this is on Davies Stockbrokers, says, Patricia, is it not strange how quickly Davy's Stockbrokers has come up for sale? It stinks to me, says Dan, of a major cover-up of other operations in its recent past. While I'll be delighted that the 700 jobs will be safe, why should those people be allowed to do an Anglo- Irish boss's job on it and get away scot-free surely at least the 16 people should be publicly named and the recent Davy deals investigated for criminal deeds says uh, Dan it does seem very strange how quickly it has been uh, sold off uh, for sure uh, 1850 333103 John Paul taking your course, so you can text to WhatsApp 0862 C 103, 103. 103 Jobs an Arctic driver is required for container transport. It's based in Tivoli docks. Duke on Concrete, they're looking for a mechanical fitter with post-apprenticed experience and you need to have exposure to plant maintenance. CE Tree Services, they're looking for a chainsaw operative and ground staff. It's for work covering Cork City and West Cork. And a minibus driver is wanted for a school run in the Charleville area. A D1 licence is essential. You'll find all the details and more job opportunities by going online now. Just go to c103.ie forward slash jobs for more. This is C103.
0: Court today on C103.
1: With Sean Cusack Insurance's sale Now part of McCarthy Insurance Group. Want great advice? You know who to talk to. See mig.ie.
2: And just to the young student who is trying to get a copy of a bank statement from Bank of Ireland and he went into his local branch and they said, sorry, we don't actually have the facility to print out a statement. Everything now must be done online. But he doesn't go online. He doesn't like online. He doesn't like banking online. Well, Kathleen in Mitchellstown was onto to us away to say the very same thing happened to Kathleen during the week. And she said she popped into the bank, but they very same story. Sorry, we don't have the facilities, but they don't have the... Printers or what? I don't know. Seems a bit bizarre, but anyway, they said sorry. No, we can't. We can't do it. But she rang the head office of Bank of Ireland in Dublin, explained her dilemma. Don't do banking online. Need a bank statement, and they said no problem at all. We'll post it out to you. Now she said it did take about five days to arrive in the post, but she got it. So if that if that's of any use to our young student who is in need of, and it was with Bank of Ireland as well. Kathleen's bank is the same bank. So if the young student gets on to Bank of Ireland. Don't have a number for them now, but if you just Google uh, a number for Bank of Ireland in Dublin, ring them and they will be able to send it out. Now, I don't know, and Kathleen's off the line so I can't check. I don't know if there is a charge on that or not, but regardless, there is a small charge. If you need to get the bank statement, and you have no other way of getting it then There is, there is that is one way. I don't know if that works for all bank branch for all banks. If by ringing the head office they're able to send you out one in the post, but it certainly works for Bank of Ireland. Thank you to Kathleen for that because I was unaware of it. And then somebody says, Patricia, why would the Astrazeneca suddenly be approved? approved for use in the over 70 year olds here in Ireland, while numerous countries are now choosing to suspend it due to concerns about blood clotting complications. Okay, there was one country that they had blood clotting complications. And from what I've read about it, it was to do with one particular batch and why it's been approved for over 70s. Uh, The the European Medicines Agency, in fairness, said it was OK for the over 70s. It was just we here in Ireland decided to err on the side of caution because initially they didn't have the evidence to prove the efficacy in the over 70s because it seems that when they, when Oxford, AstraZeneca were doing their trials, they did very few trials in the over 70s. Most of the trials were done in those over, under the age of 65. So therefore, all their data all their information was to do with younger adults. And because of that, there was a bit of a question mark about not that it, it was more, not that it would there would be a side effect for the over 70s, but there was initial fears that it mightn't be as effective in the over 70s. So because of that, Our immunisation committee decided, well, we'll hold back and we'll wait and see what's happening in other countries and we'll wait for more data to come out. And that's why they said, let's give the AstraZeneca to people under the age of 70 and instead will roll out the Pfizer and the Moderna to the over 70s but now they've come out yesterday and said look the evidence is there there's very very clear evidence because other countries are using the Oxford AstraZeneca including our new neighbours in the United Kingdom it's also been used in America as well but lots of other countries now are using it in the over 70s and it is proving to be as efficient as any of the other uh, vaccines Uh, and as, as you say the query on the blood clotting complication I think that came out of Austria I'm open to a correction on that, but I, I do think it came out of Austria and it but it was it was definitely down to one batch. One particular they had actually identified it as being down to one batch, so it is perfectly okay. And remember the advice that is always given to people. What's the best vaccine to get? The vaccine that's in your arm. 1850 Now today marks a year since Leo Varadkar announced the very first lockdown our senior news reporter Fiona Corcoran spoke to a number of people on the streets of Cork after the announcement this time last year. I need to speak to you again about the coronavirus.
7: All around me are familiar faces Worn out places Worn out faces I think it's important
3: now how long are they going to be closed for is another thing. say uh, is it just for the fortnight? I'll
0: have three kids and we'll be at home for the next few weeks but that's fine you know I feel sorry for people and leaving cert um, and I presume schools will be able to deal with that
7: Do you think that we should have done it sooner?
0: No I don't think so I think now is the time you know it's kind of changing every hour so you know who knows I hope I hope you know everyone will stay
4: safe with it I have an underlying condition so I have to deal with that you know so I have moments but I'm out and about and I'm getting on with life
1: yeah a big thank you, and I don't know even Christmas it wasn't as long I don't know why Anya? was
7: there enough stock in there like you know because people are panic buying on things like toilet roll and soap? but was there enough in there
1: there seemed to be enough yeah so there wasn't a shortage of anything that we could see anywhere really. And you know what happens, happens. The whole world is in the same boat. There's nothing much you can do about
7: it. What was it like in there? Um, Well, the shelves were stocked more than I thought they'd be. But the queues were insane. I've never seen anything like it. Yeah, I was an hour and a half. I was actually going in doing my, just my normal weekly shop and... I suppose then I did kind of, as I was waiting in line, I started thinking about, God, should I get this? And I actually did a bit of a panic shop in the end. Um, and I suppose I did have an hour and a half to look around at people's trolleys. And there definitely was panic buying. What's the question, was there enough toilet roll? I didn't actually even go near that aisle. <laughs> uh, yeah. Everyone seemed to have it in their trolley anyway. You can do the lectures online,
4: that's fine. But I mean, you know, we're going to be missing two weeks worth of of teaching practice here, which is very valuable to us. And people who are expecting maybe inspections, you know, tomorrow and things like that. Like since it's our final year of it, you know, it's kind of like prolonging now the stress and the anxiety surrounding all the inspections and everything. And it's it's hard for the lads too, the students, because I mean, it's grand putting work up on Google Classroom for them. But if we're not actually there in person to teach them, then that compromises their learning too, you know. It
3: was surprising really, but look... I suppose it's happening to everybody in the country you know so um because everybody's off you know it's going to affect everybody so i think the best thing to do really for us because we're leaving so our students to put the head down for you know the two weeks because you know everybody else in the country is in the same boat and it's two weeks that we would have had in school and it's not really something that we could have like uh combated anyway like it was always going to happen so.
7: You worried so about your exam results?
3: Um, not really, because if you look at it, it's like every school in the country is closing down. It's not just, you know, Let Christ, them Aim, them and Reach. Them. Yeah. Okay. So, I mean, everybody's off. So it's up to you how you use your time. But I, I think definitely with two weeks off, you should definitely think about, like, you know, uh, studying for the two weeks.
7: The main thing now really is to look after who's at home and just make sure that they're all safe. And I've... My dad now is old, and uh, my mother in laws in a nursing home. So it's really to protect them, really, I think, is the ma- most important thing. I'm a nurse myself. So, are you worried about your own health being on the front like that? I think at this stage you can't think of yourself like that. You just have to think of who you need to help at the, at the, now, at the moment, you know, and just, you know, take the precautions. I'm going on to train. And how are you feeling about it? I'm kind of scared, but I have my hand sanitizer and. I'm gonna be putting my jacket up against my nose. I am trying to go and sit by myself. And so do you have to get this train? Like was there any way that you could No, I don't
6: drive. I don't drive, so it's either the train or the bus. Yeah. Or I can walk, but like it'll take me a long time to walk from
7: Trele to Cork, do you know. And are you in college? <laughs> no, I'm done visiting now with boyfriend all the time. Like well, as this goes on now, do you think that you might be more reluctant to use the train and maybe give up seeing the boyfriend? I will not give up seeing the boyfriend. <laughs> coronavirus <I> or <love> no coronavirus. <laughs>
2: Thank, thanks. Our thanks to our senior news reporter Fiona Corcoran and that was a piece that she did this day last year. It's just incredible. I've completely forgotten about the panic buying but also the innocence of all of us. We thought we'd be in it for two weeks. Little did we think a year on uh, we'd still be at it. Anyway, 1850 Thanks to Fiona for that. Now you may have heard in our news bulletins yesterday that Cork Penny Dinners were looking for teddy bears and solar lights. It's an unusual request from such a wonderful charity and to find out more Katrina Toomey of Cork Penny Dinners uh, joins me Good morning to you Katrina Good morning Patricia, and I, I'm very well and I know you were on hold there listening it's it's hard to believe that it's a year isn't it since Very
4: very hard It's it's flown by even though I was kind of stretched out but you know we're a year down the road now and facing into another you know we're in March now, 21 Yeah, so we have nine months left in this month and we have to see where we're going with this one as well So it's kind of scary. Like, you know, if it goes into two years, we love to start really. Looking at something else, maybe I don't know. It's it's a difficult one, but the message is we have to keep everybody safe. And good. even if one person is at risk, the onus is on all of us to keep that person
2: safe. Well said. Right? Well,
4: and have been
2: at risk. Well said. And there are vaccines, and there you know there is there, there is light at the end vaccines, of the tunnel. So it's good. Okay, yeah. you've joined forces with the Cork City Missing Person Search and Rescue Team on this initiative. Just outline what you're doing for those that, that are not aware of this.
4: Well, Mick Ryan couple of years ago he um, he uh, last year he said that (coughs) I suppose I'll start by saying son died it was suicide and his nephew died as well as that was suicide so Mick used to kind of run after trucks and he'd put a teddy bear with a message on for the Peter house phone line the helpline and uh, the text number so that's a 24 hour text number and all you text is help to that number and um he started giving it to the trucks because they'd be up and down the length of the country. But when COVID started, he couldn't do it anymore and it was bothering him. So he came up with the idea of putting teddy bears and bridges and around places, parks and around places where people would go to when they were in a very dark place. And he would put he put the teddy bear there with a solar light and the poster for Pieta House. And then he reached out like to see if other, others join him because suicide is throughout the country so we took them up here another girl until there molly and uh, muldoon she took him up there and she covered there so um we Limerick are picking up on it now and we have another few places Sligo, i think saturday as well so it's going to spread throughout the country and what it is is we're going to have a teddy bear we're going to have a solar light and we're going to have the message up your family loves you and uh, the, the helpline numbers and the, sol- the idea of the solar light is that when people, as they go there at night, that the solar light will light up the sign. And we believe that a second distraction can change a person's mind. And that's what we're doing.
2: God, it's it's such a simple idea. Isn't but it? but yet it's so it's so powerful, isn't it? Very, very
4: powerful. And that's what we feel as well. So, like, who better to join with than Corsillium and Personal Search and Recovery because those lads, constantly out you know doing work as they do in mallow search and rescue below and they they all know what it's like so we're gonna we're gonna bring it to the county as well so it'll be going to mallow it'll be going to middleton for my middle stone you name it we're going to go everywhere because no place is safe no village no town is safe from this anymore now and we need to put the message out there that everybody is loved by somebody and even if it's not your Burke family I suppose it'll be the family that you've made along the way they become your family you know so because people will be saying what if I don't have a family everybody somewhere has somebody you know and who cares
2: about I them and loves them yeah
4: yeah and like there's a you know that song everybody loves somebody sometimes
2: yeah
4: but people care about people all the time and nobody wants to see anybody hurt and in that dark place and everybody steps everything up a notch to help everybody so our message is reach out and our message is is again that these bears are there to be a guiding light. It's a bear in signify care and the light is a guiding light to signify hope and there is always hope. There is always people to reach out to. No matter who it is, just make that step. And even if you make a step and reach out to somebody who can't help you because they don't know how to themselves, that person will find somebody. You've reached out and they'll find somebody that can help you. So don't be afraid. Or don't be worried about reaching out. You're not putting any burden on anybody by reaching out, but a person would be—you know—they will be, you know, be privilege to help whoever is feeling this, no matter
2: what age you are. And I, and I don't know if we have official figures at this at this stage, um, Katrina, but there, anecdotally, you'll hear about it. There definitely has been an increase in in suicides as a direct it's result of what we've all been going through for the last year.
4: Huge. You know, it's mental health. Our mental health system in the country is not being addressed properly. It's a complete and utter failure. Those that are are rolling out of service are brilliant at what they do. But, like, that's only, like, 10% of a service to what's actually needed. And, again, we we keep on pushing for a separate, you know, um, emergency, like an accident, an emergency hospital for people with mental health. They have to be separated. And again, we go down the road of not to be putting young people with middle-aged or elderly people and stuff like that. We have to have it all age-appropriate now because that's, you can't put a 17-, 18-year-old in with somebody that's 50-, 60-, 70-years of age. You know, So we have to be considerate and compassionate, but we have to be aware that a service has to be top-notch. It has to be 100% a service of the person that is suffering, and not just put them in there and hope that the other things will get better and a bit of medication and stuff. That's that's not the way. That's not the the route for anybody, and that's not what anybody wants, because then that's a the long term, um, you know, being on medication and stuff like that. So we do need um, more resources, much much more, and we do need a hospital or a unit where people can present with mental health. Nobody else there. It's not for any accidents or anything else. But And then that there's, you know, a couple of words that people can go into. We have places around in in the city and in the county that's kind of already suitable for this. But the government should be looking at how can we, you know, make a service, not even improve the service, but how can we, start, you know, pick yourself up, dust yourself off, and start all over again. Too many people are suffering with mental health. They're crying out for help right left and centre. There are families that have people with mental health living in in their homes, you know, it could be a a sibling, could be a mother, could be a father, and they can cope. They're finding it very hard because sometimes with mental health comes an awful lot of depression. It could come with aggression. It could come with lots of different stuff. And for the families, they're all hurting because they're not professionals and don't know how to deal with mental health issues. And we have mental health issues at the lighter end of the scale that go all the way up to the top end of the scale. And it's very, very frightening that this is seen like this and and it's known about. And again, when you look at our accident and emergency hospitals, like they're, they're stretched enough. What they're doing is unbelievable. And then people with mental health going in, when they would be probably geared up for that, and then that person will have to wait for hours and hours to see somebody because that's not really... Big in the government's agenda at all. It's not really big in the hospital rollouts. We hear about money being ploughed into it, but for goodness
2: sake, where's it being flowed? And it, it I, can, I can never get my head around it, never has been. I mean, over the years, even this is way before we've ever. Uh, came to even start talking about a pandemic we always spoke about the mental health side of health being the poor relation you know I would have over the years Especially. spoken with psychiatrists speaking, spoken with psychiatric nurses and they were always the poor relations they were always, always. the begging bowl looking always. for more services
4: always and you see if you have an illness or if you have an accident you know an emergency and if you have mental health They're all the same. A person is hurting. And a person needs that professional to look after them. So the psychiatrists, the psychologists, the psychiatric nurses, you know, doctors, everybody, they all need help to be able to roll out their service. They're very good at what they they cope with, you know, not even with what they do because they're excellent, but they're very good with what they have to cope with. And no, that shouldn't be happening anymore. Like, mental health is recognised as an illness and therefore should be treated as an illness. We have a crisis, let's deal with it, let's get it done. And there's no point in blaming this and, dis- and blaming that, you know, and whatever. But again, as I say, like, the government have the power and the authority all the time to change things, to make things different and to do things differently. So it's serious about it because the people that are suffering are suffering very seriously. And dangerously as well. And look, take all the suicides and just put them just over here, and just look at them and just say, what's happening? Somebody must in the government must be saying, and not just this government, past governments, because it's been down through the years for as long as I know. And pe- people must, you know, someone at them up. There must be asking the question, but well, why isn't any of the things that we're doing working? Because it's not. This has not been done at least. They have to look at it again. And they have to listen to the people in these hospitals that roll out their services and the people in the centres, in the units. Look at all the, the you know, the, the groups that have come together to help people that are suffering, all the charity groups that have come and are doing excellent work. Take a look at the work Theatre House does for people, you know, for families, not just the person who's suffering, for the families. You know, take a look at the Samaritans, uh, they're just there the whole time, and they're like these are all people that are trained, they're skilled, and they can help. But we need, we need a hospital like full of, you know, professionals again to be able to address this and have all the backup services. Then and, and that ripple effect of the the, you know, the small kind of charity units like shining light now and um, people like that who do such great work and. They get counsellors and they fundraise and they pay for them. So no, that shouldn't have to happen. But it's a, a, a sign of desperation and desperation of the families who have suffered. And they do this, like McRhynes started the teddy bears because he is suffering over the loss of his son. And we have other people then that have started these charities because they're suffering loss and will for the rest of their lives because suicide never leaves the person, you know, that, that it happens. Too, like, you know, like the families, it, it doesn't leave them. And they find it very difficult to cope for the rest of their lives and to understand. There is no understanding obviously nobody can explain it. And it's all of that. So it, it's very harsh on families, our loved ones and friends. And again, we have to put in a preventative, you know, an intervention as well. We have to start teaching children in school, you know, about, about survival. Because we've all had to learn about survival during this pandemic. And again, that would be difficult for everybody in the country because everything was turned upside down for the vast majority in the country. And the the government as well, I suppose, like you'd have to, you know, they would have the experts at hand. But again, there was a learning curve for them. But no, like we're a year down the road
2: everything should be learned by now,
4: Patricia. Yeah, you know, yeah. No
2: excuse. Yeah, and I know I saw now. there was a report out this week showing asking young people about their mental health and it was, it was quite worrying to see the numbers of teenagers saying that they're struggling with depression and uh, anxiety. It's, it's like a ticking time bomb with the younger it, generation coming up because them trying to access CAMS is a wonderful service, but trying to access it has always been uh, difficult. And, you know, maybe I'm always trying to find positives that will come out of this pandemic Maybe one of the positives will be that a spotlight will finally be shone on mental health.
4: Yep, yeah. and again, you just hit the nail on the head. CAMs—they're a, a truly excellent service. They're really, really brilliant. But trying to access them because it's, there's not enough funding, there're enough resources for them, not enough—you know—people there to, 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 you know. So all of these things that are working you know, the funding should go into them, the resources should go into them, and it should be spread out from community to community and not making people travel right, left and centre for far stuff either, you know. Um, we need, like, you know, we have an ambulance, bumble you know, look at the work that they do, and that's, kind of, that's a charity. But, like, you know, the government should be stepping in and doing all these things and, and helping people that go, you know, like, When somebody goes to hospital, it doesn't necessarily mean that they can go in and get pyjamas and get underwear and get socks and get, you know, a wash bag and stuff like that. We see a load, a huge amount of that. And we have people like that take children to hospital or might be going to a hospital and they'll ring us and they'll say, could you get pyjamas for the child or something? That is very hard to hear as a mother myself. Mm -hmm. But it's very hard when somebody has to kind of, like, reach out to get a pair of pyjamas for the, you know?
2: For a child. So, yeah. 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 OK, listen, you're, you're, you're fantastic always and you should be so listened to. And I always wish that the powers that be um, w- would listen to you because it's people like you and it's like uh, Father Peter very And uh, He's brilliant. yeah, but yeah. it's the people on the ground. Alice Lee is an, another person, loved to interview, cousin, yeah. makes you know, great sense. But I can never understand why guys like you are not brought in and sat down to say, OK, you know what it's like on the ground. How do we solve it? Because you have all the it's not rocket science. You do have the answers.
4: We do have the answers. Yeah.
2: And that, that that
4: amazes me, but it also hurts me because I think what I have to say is valuable and may help save lives and may help people get back on track and may help people ride the storm when there, there's a you know, when there's no money there, like with food and stuff like that. We're on the road constantly and we have so many people doing doing so much stuff for us that, like, we're keeping... It's a massive operation, Patricia. It really is. And on Sunday, we're going out there to show that, you know, that, that we care about people and we know that everybody out there cares about them as well. We want our government to know this is what you should be doing. You should be caring about all of us as well. Just do it. It's a good mistake. Just do it and stop the lesson. And, and, you know, listening to all these figures, listening to all these billions going here, there, and everywhere. The vast majority of people don't understand that. You know, they are me just so. You know, sometimes what, what they're on about. Like, but they do need to know that there is safety out there now for people. A whole year down at the end of a pandemic, lessons have had to be learned. The more intelligence has been gathered on the ground, you know, about certain things and, and issues that are happening. So I just think it's about time that the government just said, OK, let's bring them all in. Let's listen to the people that have something to say and that believe they have a way of solving issues. And let's bring them in and let's do that. Okay. Simon and the okay. Paul there around for years. They know, and they actually, know
2: as well. And I saw during the week the, the death of a, a homeless man. This was the Polish gentleman, uh, Roman, yeah. who was found uh, unresponsive in Kerry's Lane. He was one of yours? Well yeah. when I mean one of yours, yeah. one that accessed your service? He he was, but
4: Roman had a bed. Roman was in the Vincent de Paul, um, their shelter over in Anglesey Terrace. And um, he, he was there. And um, what happened to him, like the, the results of the post-mortem aren't back in yet, or maybe they're in by now, but they think it was natural causes. So he probably collapsed and died on the street. Did he die from being on the street? They'll determine that, but he had a bed. And when you're in Vincent's, like you get your three square meals a day as well, he would only come over for us, like for it, you know, just with his friends, you know, to pass time yeah. and grab a little bite to eat during the day. But we knew him from, from work, you know, years ago, and he's a hard worker, kept to himself, didn't kind of, uh, you know, and it was just so unfortunate. But when we're on the subject, I suppose the thing to highlight here is that not alone was he in this position there are so many people because of the building line being shut down and because of the shops and, and because of the retail service and the uh, hospitality service a lot of people have a work walk and therefore have no money to pay for their rent so they're ending up homeless mm. and they're ending up this way as well so that's another thing that we have to, to
2: look Delicious. at all right okay and and i'll go back to where i started with you the teddy bears are you still looking for teddy bears can people hand them in
4: We're looking for, what we're looking for mostly are the solar lights.
2: Okay, all right. Any kind of solar lights that you can attach to the teddy bear?
4: Yeah, and you know what, like, even if somebody wants to give us the teddy bear or if somebody wants to ring us and say, can you call a teddy bear after my loved one, Ah. we, 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 we will be doing that as well and we will keep a record of the bears and their names and and stuff
2: like that. You're very good. You're very good. You're you're fantastic as always. Stay safe, uh, Katrina, and as always, thanks a million for joining us on the program. Thanks, Patricia. Good morning thanks. to you. Bye-bye. You. Bye-bye. You. The inspirational amazing I never find words uh, to in, to describe that woman that is Katrina Toomey from uh, Penny Dinners. She's just her just her her compassion and her empathy and she just always makes so much sense. With people like Katrina Toomey either leading the country or at least the powers that be listening to her and others like her, we'd live in a, in a very, very different world for sure. Eighteen fifty three 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 one zero three. jump all taking your calls, text or WhatsApp. Await six two one zero three one zero three. Court
0: today on C one zero
1: three with John Cusack. Insurances Kinsale, now part of McCarthy Insurance Group. They don't just talk the talk; they walk the walk. Cmig.ie. You're listening to Cork Today on replay. Phone and text lines are currently closed.
2: A number of people reacting to my interview and my chat with Katrina Toomey that started out to talk about the teddy bear appeal, but then turned into a much longer, and more detailed uh, interview about mental health and her worries and concerns about mental health, and Katrina's worries about. We're losing too many lives to suicide, and the devastating effect that a death by suicide has on the families that are left picking up the pieces. Mike in Bantry says Patricia rehab care, and is it Nua are doing great work for mental health in Bantry. Well done to them. And a different Michael says Patricia, what an inspirational woman, Katrina Toomey is. I agree with you completely. The powers that be really need to listen to her and her likes. She is mind-blowing in her compassion and in her knowledge. Please, government ministers, listen to Katrina Toomey. That's from Michael. Thank you, Michael. And someone else says on mental health, people have the sort of mindset that if mental health issues can't be seen, well, they aren't there. It's the same kind of denial that exists with those who don't want to stick with COVID restrictions. They can't see COVID, so as far as they're concerned, they think they can disregard the fact that we are living through a pandemic. Young people are given tablets and counselling can be 60 euro a pop or more. It may be effective or it may not, but more definitely needs to be put into uh, mental health. And then an email in St. Patricia, listening to Katrina Toomey, I just had a good cry. She's absolutely amazing and she's such an inspiration. Her workload is enormous. and But yet she has so much to offer this country. She, along with Sister Stan, Peter McVeary should be the ones in power to solve the housing and the homeless situation. Mental health is not something that will be addressed until it's actually taken seriously by everyone. Because it is such a hidden problem, it only comes to the surface now and then. When you end up at the hospital with a broken leg, you can see, it's been seen, you clearly have a broken leg. But try and explain to somebody that your head is bursting. It's met with bewilderment. You cannot explain why or how you feel like this. This is the window of opportunity for that to be addressed. And the window closes if the help is not available. How can you hear if you, if you don't listen? How can you see if you've got blinkers on? Many times it's medication, but medication is not always the answer. There are people out there, Patricia, who have had to find their own solutions because they do not fit into the boxes that were all supposed to tick. Alone has called for a conversation to begin on how older people who have been cocooning now for 12 months can re-emerge and take up their place in society. This needs to be done now and not later in the year when the opportunity is missed. Patricia, if Katrina, Sister Stan and Peter McVeary stepped away, what would happen then? Chaos would emerge because these wonderful people and voluntary groups are actually picking people up off the streets and accommodate them and addressing their complex needs. This They should be part of the big conversation to address the mounting problems and above all, they should be listened to. Yeah, well said. Thank you. That's from Margaret emailing Patricia at C103.ie and well said, uh, Margaret. And actually, when I was chatting with Katrina and she, you know, she was talking about the work of, you know, people that work in trying to prevent suicide. You know, shiny light and people like Pieta House and it's Pieta House that they've that they're going to give the text number and the telephone number on the teddy bears and and dot them hopefully all all over the country. It was one of the things that went through my head. What if we didn't have all those charities? What if we didn't have all those voluntary groups? How much more difficult would it be for people with mental health I- issues, the ones that access those services? It would just be, it doesn't, it just wouldn't bear, it doesn't bear thinking about. Okay, some more of your, t- oh, just before I go to some of your texts about vaccines and stuff, there's been a couple of people on about banks when we were talking about banks earlier. And uh, we were talking about this was the young student who contacted us who needs to get, a bank statement and is having dreadful problems trying to get a bank statement because he's, he doesn't do online banking and then it was Kathleen in Mitchelstown was in the same dilemma and she rang the bank and everything got sorted out there's a number of other people have used on this Jack in from says I'm a Bank of Ireland customer and uh, while that person that young student might not want to use online I do but I can also get statements on their website you can request statements and they'll arrive via the login for your banking online or via the on post I find it very handy Jack in Turk says, I needed some, I'm assuming, bank statements. So I rang my bank branch and I was put through a number of options press 5 for this press 6 for that and on and on and it went I eventually got through to somebody a human being in the customer service uh, department and they were able to issue statements for me they arrived after a week so it is possible uh, to do it but you're going to need to have a little bit of patience to hold on you will eventually get through to a customer service agent Lehman Mallow said I'm with Permanent TSB I rang them and they emailed the statements to them that afternoon I'm sure they would have posted them out as well but I have an email else it was the handiest way to do it John in Mitchelstown says there's an automatic number from Banking 365 for Bank of Ireland if you ring this it's automated and if you press one for this and two for that you can request statements automatically so there are other ways of doing it and John in Mitchelstown when when I was wondering was there a charge involved said that he got statements from Bank of Ireland and there was no charge for it so it is possible uh, to get it that way and Michael then by uh, this came in by text on banks uh, says I'm listening to you on about banks and their services I am also a Bank of Ireland customer their new app is in addition to the online website that they had before now you have to have the app as a security feature in order to access the new formatted website. If I remember correctly on my phone, when I was downloading the app, it stated you needed whatever software level you need it. Many of us don't know what software level is actually on our devices and that becomes a problem. What really annoys me though about all of this is the increase of fees for services. And yet we're doing all the work ourselves. Also the fact that they won't facilitate customers with statements if you pop in to the branch. Is it not another way of downgrading the local bank branch. Hence, will we see more closures going into the future? Which would be sad to see. And that's from Michael. Uh, Someone else says, somebody should tell Bank of Ireland that the services are meant to be for the people and their likes and needs, not what they want it to be. The people are there for the services. The arrogance of some of our banks is unreal. And yet they're using all of our money. The cheek of them, says a uh, texter. And I don't know if there was more in on... Uh, what's uh, app there was Hi Patricia with regards to banking apps and general e-commerce don't you think it's funny the banks and the phone companies and some government departments, all they want now is for all of us to do the work online or to download some kind of an app. But initially, they all want us to physically present with a passport or a driving licence or a utility bill. They truly are dysfunctional organisations, says Noel in Kilmourie. Thank you for that, uh, Noel. And thank you to a, we have a listener who listens to us regularly. He, lives, it's, he, he always signs his WhatsApp as North Cork Manager Germany. He is one of our overseas listeners, and of course, listening on the app, always great to have the overseas listeners, and particularly people who are originally from the area. I think it kind of reconnects them and makes them feel a little bit, they don't miss home quite so much. But anyway, this. North Cork man living in Germany was listening to me earlier when I was calling out a text that I got from a listener who was saying Germany are doing so well and was talking about the fact she's kept updated because her son lives in Germany and was basically saying we need to be following the German model they've done things completely differently and they seem to be doing everything okay anyway here's someone on the ground in Germany who tells us a different story Patricia I live in Germany and yes we have open shops cinemas museums the zoo is open hairdressers are open bear in mind it's all by appointment only for shopping. You need to sign in and you're only allowed to enter with an FFP2 sur- I take it, that's a surgical mask and it's the same on the buses and the trains. All was okay but since Angela Merkel opened up our cases here in Germany have gone sky. High and our incident rate is also really high. And yet what are they doing? On the twenty second, they're allowing for outside dining and more than two households to meet. Question mark, question mark, question mark. It's a worrying time here in Germany, and only five point eight million people have been vaccinated. That's out of a total population of eighty million people people. It's just far too slow. And supply and demand is a big problem. The EU have a big, big issue when it comes to vaccines, but we all just have to keep going and do the very best that we can. Stay safe. Love the show. From a Northcourt man living in Germany. Thank you for that. So the grass isn't always greener on the other side. And then somebody is picking up on AstraZeneca and the problem with AstraZeneca with clotting. Hi Patricia. Why do you not get a doctor on please to explain about the clotting problems with the Oxford AstraZeneca vaccine? There are 22 people suffering in Austria after the vaccine and sadly one person passed away because of this clotting issue. This side of the vaccine needs to be explained too. I hear you say that the... The best vaccine is the one that's in people's arms. That's OK, but there are two sides to everything. The medical profession needs to explain this in a little bit more detail. I'm all for vaccines, but why is it not highlighted that 23 people died in a nursing home in Norway after getting a vaccine? I heard Joe Biden plea with the Americans last night to get a vaccine for Pfizer, Moderna and Johnson & Johnson. Why is this? People there are being hesitant about it he said. People need to be told all of the possible side effects. Clotting and blood problems were not listed as the side effects and I wonder why. Well, I think they weren't listed because they didn't realise that it was going to cause a problem. OK, the very latest that I can find on um, AstraZeneca there seems to be a bit of a divide in Europe on this one. Nine countries have now suspended use of AstraZeneca over safety concerns, but yet Germany and France Along with the European Medicine Board, they are all saying that the worries are unfounded. And you are right. Austria was the first to raise concerns last weekend. They stopped using AstraZeneca as a precaution. And that, of course, followed reports of the death of somebody and illness for others. And it was to do with uh, clotting. And then other countries rapidly followed suit. Denmark, Italy, Norway, They've all uh, stopped the use of AstraZeneca as a precaution. All of them pointed to the instance of blood clotting that the health authorities want to investigate in Thailand now has, has also uh, followed suit. And as far as I know, it came from one particular batch uh, of it. But I know the UK have come out and obviously people will say, well, they would because it is the, it is the British vaccine they've come out and they said with all of the shots they've given they haven't had any uh, problem and there, there is indications at this stage but it has to be looked into that it was just one particular batch uh, of it but obviously yeah with all vaccines there is obviously going to be a concern so that seems to be the latest that there seems to be a little bit of a divide in Europe over AstraZeneca and yes we know in this country it's now been decided to give the AstraZeneca to the over 70s so I'm assuming some people are just going to be worried about that uh, Particularly if they have maybe a history of uh, clots, uh, people will be uh, concerned. Somebody says, Patricia why are people surprised at the EU handling of the vaccines? Remember the bank bailout forced onto us by the EU costing us €40 billion Euro. the latest awful fishing deal with Brexit which will end up with worse, worthless fishing trawlers and more foreign fishing trawlers in our Irish waters the corporate tax, wait and see that will be the next. They'll want the government to raise it to a European level which to me says John will certainly be a bridge too far. Uh, Would would people agree that we should consider leaving the EU? That's from John. And a final one says Patricia, are the government for real in saying 80% of people will be vaccinated by June? They're not saying June of which year. It is a joke. Somebody not convinced that 80% will be vaccinated by June. 1850 333 103 John Paul. Taking your calls, you can text to WhatsApp 0862 103 103. The C103 Cork Diary.
1: With Cork County Council's Community Support Program, here to assist vulnerable people with their daily needs through the COVID 19 pandemic. See corkcoco.ie.
2: Knocknagree Community Development are inviting people to join their virtual charity walk. It's in aid of breast cancer research and their community hub. It runs from today Friday the 12th through to Friday the 19th of March. You donate through their Instagram or Facebook page or contact my on 087 2715419 and the team at Castle Marta Resort are taking part in a virtual run in aid of the Ronald McDonald House. They're doing it between tomorrow, Saturday the 13th and the Sunday the 28th of March by virtually running 490 kilometres which is the distance from Castle Marcher Resort to the Ronald McDonald House and back. During the event they will be appealing for donations and you can log on to idonate.ie forward slash Castle Marcher Resort. Carragoline Toastmasters are celebrating their 25th anniversary. They're doing it virtually obviously. They're having a Zoom a virtual celebration next Monday at eight o'clock. You can register the event at eventbrite.ie, or follow Carigaline Toastmasters on social media for more details. And Anam Cara, the national organisation providing support and information and resources to bereaved parents, they're asking for your support for walking in their own St Patrick's Day parade with your own fi- within your own five k. You upload your upload your photographs to their Twitter or Instagram accounts and donate. Through justgiving.ie forward slash campaign forward slash 17th of March.
0: Court today on C103
1: with Sean Cusack Insurances Can Sale. Now part of McCarthy Insurance Group. Want great advice? You know who to talk to. CMIG.ie.
2: A heart has been erected on the square in Bantry. It's by the local Lions Club. And to find out why, I'm joined by Nora Lynch, who's a past president of the Bantry Bay Lions Club. Good afternoon to you, Nora. Good afternoon, Patricia. You're welcome. Thanks. And how's everybody in Bantry today?
7: Well, I'd say they're a little bit a little bit wind swept at the moment. <laughs> but I'm hoping that my heart is still up there because it's a bit windy.
2: Ah, uh, please, but, please, uh, please God it is. Now, what's this heart about and who came up with the idea first?
7: Well, uh, our our Lions Club are, like we've got a lot of younger ones and let's face they're out, doing, they're on the front line, they're doing a great job. But we've got quite a few older people uh, in the 70s and the 80s, and we're sort of, you know, wanting to do something and wanting to come up with something to show that we care and that we're there thinking about people. So we came up with a heart. Now, the heart was a great idea, but then you must have somebody to to, to make that heart real. So then I have this lovely guy called Nabi Dunn with outline and Nobby took it on, and he's made a fabulous job of it, and he has quite a few of the co-action youngsters, so they do a lot of the painting. So uh, that is why it's there, and it's just to thank the frontline people for the hard work they do, and my God, it must be tremendous. And then for those lost to COVID. So while I'm here, I would like, on behalf of, the members of the Lions Club send our sincere condolences to all the families who have lost loved ones to COVID. Mm. And I hope that this might—I don't know—it might just help that they can tie a little ribbon or put a stick of flower on for them. And especially with Mother's Day coming up, probably there's quite a few mothers lost. I don't know, but to all of them, that it—it it might be just a help. And I can always go in pass it, and we can always say a prayer. I
2: don't know. Yeah, it's just, and I, I like the idea of remembering a, a loved one. And th- th- there's a way of tying a, tying a flower or, or a ribbon onto it, is there?
7: Yeah, there is. It's a great big heart and it's a heart cut out in the middle, Yeah. Cut, cut into sections. And it's on a swivel and the wind sort of spins it round. And at the back then, it's got chicken wire and that's painted black. So you can stick flowers on the right side of the heart or the left-hand side of the heart. Just tie them onto the chicken wire.
2: And if you want to leave a little note with it, you can. And
7: well, I, I I put it in the Southern Star, and I'm hoping that people. Well, I actually, what I did, I put up a ribbon myself yesterday evening, and some flowers. Yeah. So they'll probably get the idea that you know this is what it is for. But uh, yeah, um, yeah. But maybe if they read the Southern Star, which most people do in Round Battery, they'll get the idea as to what it's for.
2: Okay. And is it is it very big?
7: It is. Forty by it's forty meters by no, I don't know meters or centimeters. Yeah. I'm good at measurements. It's forty by thirty. Okay. Yeah, it's, it's, yes, a nice big, but it's within a white square. Okay. And then we have a diamond at the top, and that's done in white. And in red writing, it says to all frontline workers, a heartfelt thank you. And the bottom half is to all people lost to COVID. You will be missed.
2: That's just such a lovely, sweet... It's a simple idea. It is a very simple
7: idea. And, I mean, you walk down and you see it and you can read the writing. And, I don't know, it just touches your heart and you think, God, yeah, you know, there's nothing else we can do because, you know, uh, the younger ones, as I said, they're on the front line, they're doing a great job. So uh, us older ones sort of sit around and, you know, there's nothing we can do because we can't do fundraising, we can't do anything. We hold all our meetings on Zoom. And so... Yeah it's just to show that we are still around and we're thinking about people and we'd love to be able to go out there and do something but we can't
2: yeah so, and uh, it's it's a physical thing though that people will see when they're driving in the square or out walking or and like those frontline workers you know many of them living in the West Cork area they might pass that heart on the way to work and and on the and exhausted on the way back and yes. just to know that yeah we, we can't take away your exhaustion, but we are thinking no, of you,
7: but we are thinking about you, and it's a great big car now, because I know there's quite a few people around Bantry Town that have died, so you know they they can walk up and see say, "Okay, look, I mean, people are sharing our our grief with us, and you know they're thinking about us, we're not on our own so uh it it's it, it's just to to show that we care and that you know we want to do something but there's nothing we can Yeah,
2: because it's like I, I, earlier on I played a piece from Fiona Corcoran, our senior news reporter. It's hard to believe it's a year ago today that yeah. that's Leo Varadkar said, I need to speak to you. And uh, we all thought we were going into lockdown for two weeks, the innocence of it all. But anyway, um, and then, you know, she had her Vox Pop of of people talking this day uh, a year ago. And it prompted somebody to, you know, to send on a message to say that I lost a loved one to COVID, unfortunately, and it's very tough without him. And I just, and it, you know, when I was reading it, I was just thinking, God, there are so many people. That this while for the majority of us, it's, yeah, it's changed our lives. It's upside down and we can't do what we normally do. But those of us who are lucky enough not to have lost a loved one, but unfortunately for so many people, their lives will never be the same again.
7: Never again. And especially, I think, with Mother's Day coming up, I think, you know, uh, it, it'll be tough. Uh, so maybe with the heart and just mentioning them up there in Bantry, in the square in Bantry Bay might, might just give them a lift and say, you know, so...
2: Yeah well done well done and what, what is what, what, talk to me about the Banshee Bay Lions Club I mean how have you been affected by the pandemic what's the last year been like for the members
7: Well sure we haven't we couldn't do it. we did a fundraising all right on 19 we did a bucket collection now it was difficult with the we did the food appeal uh, we did better than we expected with super value and little and we managed to get over 2000. Wow. So we didn't do uh, hampers because a lot of people were worried about handling stuff, you know, so we did vouchers. We did uh 62 vouchers forty euros at a time. So uh, at uh, that that's you know normally we'd be up and out and doing stuff and fundraising stuff, but no, we are stuck and we are stuck. So we're trying to plan some sort of um get together when please God when we can get out and uh, include everybody around the town all the clubs and the schools and everything so we're what we did a zoom meeting now last night so we're we're trying to work out something for that so all we can do is talk at the moment now we did our convention there on saturday and that was unbelievable we did that on 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 zoom uh, and it's the the 26 counties uh and you know the different accents from all over yeah. the different parts of ireland it was it was wonderful we stay in touch, and we we ring loads of people. And the the younger we've a younger couple who will take care of the older couple and do the shopping for them, and walk the dog, and that sort of thing. So okay.
2: uh, keep reaching out. That's all. That's all we, yeah, can, do. That's all we that's, can do. That's all
7: we can do. <laughs> that's all we can do. Make, okay. the, phone, make well, the phone. Make the phone call and say, you know, how are you doing this morning? You're okay, and then they'll ring you, and you'll ring a couple of more people. So that's that's all we can do at the moment because uh, you know we're 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 all folkies, <laughs> <Just> <laughs> sitting at home twiddling our thumbs.
2: Well, um, well stay it. stay safe and well done on coming up with this I, I, I think this is a lovely lovely initiative of the heart and I think it'll make people smile, it'll make people think and it'll and particularly as you say for the frontline workers and for those that lost loved ones just to let people know we are thinking about you, we are thinking about you. Listen Nora thank you for that No problem Patricia, thank you for having me And uh, no doubt we'll speak yeah, again well, That' a
7: lovely great big red heart okay. so it's, You know it's, it's, it's very visible so okay. it's just yeah.
2: It's and anyone within anyone within their 5k in uh, Bantry in the square in Bantry will be able to see it and I think we're putting a picture up on our we are we're putting a picture up oh, on our lovely. social media as well okay well, Nora I'm, thank you that
7: is lovely thank you so thank much you you too, too. thank you for that mind yourself bye
2: bye that is uh, Nora Lynch who is past president of the Bantry Bay Lions Club here in the square in Bantry keep a lookout for their heart and a number of people still on about Katrina Toomey saying fantastic great to have had her on the programme today how inspirational she is how right she is talking about mental health Mike and Bantry uh, says there are two mental hospitals in Cork City one for North Cork and the north side of the city in Cork City and one in CUH on the south uh, side we just simply don't have enough I think that's exactly the point that Katrina Toomey was uh, making. Another texter says mental health is like back pain and fibromyalgia. If people see you out and you're not on crutches or limping people think well, she's fine. Nobody can see the pain Sure, you look fine and it can be anything but uh, the case thank you for that stay safe I'm assuming you are suffering and in a lot of pain look after yourself on banks and trying to get a statement from the bank Mary says Patricia tell all your listeners forget about the banks I rang my local lovely friendly credit union last week because I needed a statement I rang them at 10 to 5 one evening it was ready for collection the next morning and guess what it was totally free of charge thank you for that Mary and Katie and From was on to say where she is living in Fomoy. They got a note in the door stating... That we have to read our own electrical meters, and they're not going to be reading meters anymore. It says we have to read them ourselves, and then you either text on or phone in or email the meter readings. What happens if you don't have one of the keys to open the meter box? Now the customers are reading their own own meters. Does that mean that the people, the men, and it was the men probably and women as well, the meter readers are they now out of a job? I don't know, and we look into that because I know by. There's a ruling there that you have to have your metres read it's three times a year and then your provider can give you three estimated readings. The bills are every two months, so you get six bills a year. I'm sure that they, it's stated and it's kind of a policy document that it has to be done by all of the electrical Suppliers that your meter gets read three times a year and then on the other three times they can go for F or estimated. I know if you miss the meter reading man they'll pop it through the letterbox and you can send it on that way. So let me check to see has that come in. I know once everybody gets a smart meter that completely does away with the reading of with somebody calling because it's it'll all be uh, picked up on the computer instead. But listen, we will check and find out what's going on with meter reading because if it's happening in Formoy, you can assume it's happening nationwide it isn't something just for Formoy Town so we probably won't get to it today but we'll certainly try and get an update on it next week. 1850 John Paul taking your calls you can text our WhatsApp 0862 103 103 Let's take a break and we're back talking movies.
0: Court Today
1: On C103 with Jean Cusack, Insurances Kinsale, now part of McCarthy Insurance Group. They don't just talk the
2: talk; they walk the walk. CMIG.ie.
0: This is the Court Today replay on C103.
2: Mark Malone, our movie reviewer, joins us. Good afternoon to you, Mark. Hi, Patricia. And uh, two movies you watched for us this week: "Coming to America" and the second one is—is a is Moxie? Moxie yep. Moxie OK coming to America this is the latest Eddie Murphy one uh, and I'm really hoping that this movie is good because I'm a huge Eddie Murphy fan but let me play a quick trailer from Coming to America
1: I am King Akim Joffre and I believe you are the heir to the throne of the moon God. Yes,
0: my son. To America.
1: I shall bring queens to Samunda. He's supposed to be prince of Wakanda. Uh, Wakanda is a fictional place. Not to everybody. I'm a
2: king, I'm a... King. over here! Hey, what a How much child support are you getting? The king pays no child support. No child support
4: for 30 years and you came back? You was a dummy! Yeah,
2: yeah, yeah. <laughs> okay, coming to America. This is a follow-up to... The first one
4: is it? Uh,
5: yeah, exactly. Yeah, uh, I was just wondering if you, have you seen the first film? By any oh film?
2: God, me. Yeah, I'm just trying to work out how many years ago I would have seen it.
5: It was thirty years ago. Oh, oh. <laughs> how, how, uh, how yeah. How time flies.
2: Yeah, and I love and I I love Eddie Murphy at the time, and I'm a fan of Eddie Murphy. Is this why? So, with this picks up thirty years on.
5: It does, yeah. I mean, I'm a, I'm a huge fan as well, so I was really looking forward to it. But I kind of was wondering, had I actually seen the first film? And I was kind of asking myself, is, is that one of the ones from the 80s? I thought I'd seen everything from the, the 80s. This was kind of late 80s. I was thinking, have I actually seen it or not? So I, I've actually watched three movies this week. So I went back and I watched the original again. and um, And Parts of the film were kind of hit me, and kind of, um, and I recollected some of those. So I realised I had seen the film before, but obviously it hadn't made kind of a huge impact on me. And having watched it again, I can understand why I think because I actually don't think it's as good as people say it is. I mean, a lot of people do love the movie, and it has become a kind of cult movie over the years. I think it was a very, very important film at the time um, politically. But I thought um, as I was watching it, I was thinking, you know, this isn't really as good or as funny as can people kind of remember it. I don't think. And there's one great kind of joke where they kind of of um, have this kind of call back to the film he made Trading Places which I thought was really really funny and they do it in this film as well but that was the, to do that they had to break kind of the fourth wall and that was the only time I really laughed in the film there was one of the bits that I really liked I mean uh, basically Eddie Murphy and Arsenio Hall come to Africa and, he and uh, Eddie is looking for a princess and uh, the woman that he wants to marry because he has been betrothed to somebody else in kind of an arranged marriage back in Africa and he doesn't want that he wants to fall in love promptly with the woman and once they're there uh, they meet up and they go to like a barbershop and there uh, Eddie Murphy and Arsenio Hall um, um, in other guises actually uh, take on four or five different other characters and I thought that that was for me the highlight of the film that there's these wonderful characters uh, in the barbershop which are introduced again in this film because that was the
2: same in the first movie
5: yeah, he but played the all movie, the different they, characters. They, yeah, they do. Yeah, they do go exactly. Yeah, so, so they do go to to back to Queens again in New York, but they only do so for a few minutes. So wow. actually, uh, the barbershop characters actually have a small part on it of, of the film, and that kind of disappointed me because I wanted to see those characters again because they were just so funny and so wonderful and so beautifully performed by Eddie and Arsenio Hall. Um, but they're not in. They're hardly in this film, which I think was a bit of a shame. The other thing about the original too to keep in mind is that it was it's an all rated film. I mean, it was a fifteen-cert film, so there's a lot of swearing and female nudity. This one isn't. This is very much kind of a PG film, so very, very much different. And in fact, in this film, they reference the sexism of the first film as if, you know, to kind of excuse it. So in this film, it's 30 years later, Eddie Murphy, he's still the prince of Zamunda. Uh, His father is on his deathbed here, played by James Earl Jones. And the... Um, Eddie has three daughters. He doesn't have a son. He's three daughters, but the daughters have been brought up uh, as very powerful kind of warriors. And the older daughter, especially, she's been kind of you know trained and bred to become the next queen. But on his deathbed, unfortunately, uh, James Earl Jones says to Eddie Murphy, "No, unfortunately, you know the the kingdom will fall apart if we have a queen. We need a a, a male heir." So then, with a kind of twist of fate, like, this kind of weird twist of the story, we hear that in fact, thirty years previously, when Eddie was actually in New York, he met with Leslie Jones who actually drugs him, has her way with him, and then becomes pregnant with this possible heir to the throne. And as you're watching this scene, you're thinking, "Uh, hang on a second, (laughs) this... This um, this scene is not going to age well in a couple of years' time. But so you think, OK, I'll move on. I, w- I won't worry about it too much. So the two boys come back to New York to find the heir, to bring him back to Africa. So they do. They bring him back to Africa. And once it's there, then it kind of comes kind of King Ralph or, or the Princess Diaries, where they kind of try to train him uh, to be kind of the next king. But unfortunately, they, they arrange a marriage for him as well. He decides he doesn't really want that. They've tried to arrange a marriage with uh, Wesley Smites, who is the kind of leader of uh, a neighbouring kingdom, uh, which is called, you ready for this? Well. Next door, yeah. all right it's All right. Uh, somebody wrote that joke and left it in the film, yeah. and actually, it's the best joke in the film. And so he wants his daughter to marry this new prince, and the prince says no, and, and so on. So it's it's basically a retread. It's basically the first film again uh, kind of redone uh, in a kind of a kind of more kind of modern kind of look and feel to it. You know, the problem is, is that I think that Eddie in the first film as Akim had a kind of a, a lovely kind of sense of kind of adventure and innocence which was wonderful. Now obviously you age and you kind of get mature but you very rarely see that same Akeem here you know that you did in the first film. There's one scene all right where he kind of decides to mop up a floor and he says look I love to mop because it, it helps me think and that was the only time we saw the Akeem from the, the previous film and you kind of really warm to that that scene and you warm to Eddie but uh, you know the problem is that you wanted kind of more of that. The, the basic problem here is the writing. The writing just isn't good enough and strong enough because there are times when the camera will swing towards a character and you'll think, OK, he's, he or she is going to say something very funny here. And they don't. And that's a bit of a shame. Uh, some of the musical sequences are wonderful. The costumes, I mean, you know, so the film looks, the cinematography is absolutely fabulous. What lets it down is the writing, because it's a shame, because, you know, a lot of the characters are genuinely interesting and funny. Um, but unfortunately, the script uh, lets them all down.
2: OK, so mark it at a 10? Oh, six. Six out of ten. Okay, that is coming to uh, America. And actually, you know, I I definitely did see the first one, but I I, I think a bit like you, I need to rewatch it again. It's just I remember him as all the different characters and how how funny it was. But maybe, as you say, when you watch something 30 years ago, when you look at it now, maybe it's not as funny as you thought it was at the time. Anyway, that's... You know, the
5: other thing that actually disappointed me about it because I presume that with Eddie as well, that when you consider what's happened in America over the past four years, I think there was a chance to kind of make a lot of kind of little kind of political kind of little points but he decided not to do that now in a sense maybe you kind of support that and he decided look I just want to make something that's sweet and, and funny rather than kind of something that has a kind of a political edge to it uh, but I would have liked to have had more of that political edge but it's not there but yeah it's not funny as it should be but it was certainly entertaining enough so I'll give it a sec
2: That's on Amazon isn't it? So I see that Amazon It's on Amazon, Amazon Prime,
5: Prime, yeah. yeah. Is, yeah interesting is Amazon Prime seemed to give their own ratings because the film was a PG if so it ended up in the cinema. But if, as you play it, Amazon, say, this is rated 15. Well, and it's the same with the original film. The original film was a 15 sir, But as it comes up, it says this film is rated 18. And I think that's kind of, it's, it's almost like they kind of add a little extra rating and give them their own ratings just to kind of cover themselves.
2: Okay. All right. And then the second movie you watched first was Moxie.
5: Yes. Um, this, is uh, an Amy Poehler film, and I love Amy Poehler. I think she's very funny, and with Tina Fey, they've done some terrific work together. Uh, she is the director here. She's the producer, and she also stars in the film as well. And basically, it's about her daughter, who plays this kind of very kind of shy, kind of sixteen-year-old, and she um, is in high school. And straight away, the film tells you it's like an old-fashioned high school film. The jocks are there, the nerds are there. And so, you know, all of a sudden, straight away, you're being told this is how the film and is going to go, because all the jocks are really, really kind of sexist and kind of really aggressive. All the nerds are kind of uh, bullied constantly. And there is a list which is released every year in this particular school. And the list is made by these jocks, by these boys where basically they list all the girls, you know, who's got the best bottom, who's got the nicest, you know, chest and all this kind of stuff. Really, really sexist and really, really horrible. But because it's kind of been a tradition in the school uh, for years, um, people just kind of ignore it. Whereas in reality, I don't think that would happen, and certainly not nowadays. And the thing is that what she decides to do is she decides to, to take her revenge by starting up a kind of a booklet. And the um, the booklet, this is called Moxie and it's her kind of feminist kind of response to the boys kind of level of sexism and, and, and harassment. And the thing is about the film is that, I mean, um, they're, they're calling it, like, you know, the next new Mean Girls, and I don't think it's as good as Mean Girls, because I think Mean Girls was very, very restrained and very clever and very funny, and this is not, I I don't think so, because I think, unfortunately for me, the reason why it doesn't work is because it is, everything is turned up to 11, everything is turned into a stereotype, and and it's, everything is kind of a caricature, and I think that's a bit of a shame, because it's constantly, you know, firing its message at you all the time, and it, I think Lou it was a bit more restrained and a bit more clever, I think, if it, 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 It was kind of, well, cause if somebody is shouting their opinion at you all the time you will then become aggressive towards that opinion, rather than even though it's opinion you agree with. And I think, you know, it's very, very difficult. I mean, some of the criticism is that it's anti-men. I don't think it's anti-men at all. I just think what it does is it just looks at men as caricatures, and then, as I say, it turns it up to 11, which I think is a bit of a shame. And I think it's not very, very realistic, because one of the girls at one stage actually goes to her uh, headmistress and says, look, I'm being harassed by this boy, something needs to be done the headmistress in return says, don't say the word harass. It's just boys being boys. Don't do that. And I think that, in reality, I don't think that would actually happen. No, I don't think a list that the boys... Uh would produce wouldn't happen, and I think and I think and I say that's why the film doesn't for me work, which is a which is a pity because there's some lovely very woman women here it's about female empowerment, and I have no problems with that, and I think I agree with practically every message that's being said here, and it's an important film, I think for young girls, but it's a very important girl for young boys to to watch, but I think a lot of boys will be turned off this film because of the fact they're just just being constantly told. That they're terrible, yeah, and and I think that's a shame. Even the boy that she has a relationship with can't just be an a, a, an ordinary boy. He's got to be overly shy and and overly sweet and and as I say, and it's it's, it's such a shame. But it is a good movie up to a point. And I would recommend it, and I re- certainly recommend uh, younger Girls to watch
6: it. Yeah,
2: for t- t- teenagers, you can
5: watch it. You might learn a thing or two. Yeah. but it's just—it's just the it's just way in which it's just—it's just a shame that it's a caricature uh, of what it could have been. And um, but a, a missed, oppor- a
2: missed opportunity.
5: I i, personally, I think so. again.
2: Yeah. Mm, okay, mark it at ten i um, will give it six of six. six out of ten. OK, that is Moxie. Listen, thank you for that. Have a lovely week. We'll chat again next okay. Friday. Thanks for that. That is Mark Malone, our movie reviewer. Somebody says, keep a lookout for Coming to America, the original one it comes up on, pops up on Comedy Central a few times. Have a nice weekend. That's some Jared, And back at you, Jared. Thank you for that. OK, my thanks to John Paul McNamara for producing. We've got Nick Richards for the afternoon and we'll be back with you on Monday morning at 10 o'clock. Until then, I'm Patricia Messenger. Enjoy the rest of your Friday and have a lovely, lovely weekend. I look after yourself. And stay safe and happy Mother's Day to all the mothers.
0: Court today on C103
1: with Sean Cusack Insurance's Kinsale, now part of McCarthy Insurance Group for motor, home, business, farm, life, and health insurance. CMIG.ie